Good morning. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say welcome. So glad that you are all here today. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Um, we are starting this brand new series called My Flippin' Family uh, because no matter how great your family is, it probably has a little craziness to it. It can get a little flipping crazy. Amen. Um, you know, every family has that crazy uncle, that, that one family member who's a little hard to deal with, right? Raise your hand if your family has that, that person in, in your family that's just hard to deal with, a little crazy. R- raise them up high. Yep. If someone next to you doesn't have their hand ra- raised, they're the crazy person in their family, okay? That's how it goes. If, if your family doesn't have one, you are that person. Um, you know, we all have families that can just get, get a little crazy, a little flipping crazy. On Easter... Um, my family was blessed to have all 13 grandkids in my parents' house. That's a little crazy. You know, I told Kristen, maybe we should just move back to Colorado. Uh, it's a little nuts here, uh, but it's good. And, and so no matter where your family is at, we want to help you build a better family, a, a better home. We want to help you take those next steps. I have to admit, though, when we're talking about building, I'm not a huge do-it-yourselfer. I'm not much of a builder, but I do enjoy watching HGTV. Anyone else in here enjoy watching some of those shows? Yeah, yeah. Some of our family favorites that we watch together, Fixer Upper, um, Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're like heroes of everyone, right? Uh, and uh, then uh, Hometown's probably my favorite. Anyone, anyone else watch Hometown? I love that show. Uh, and then I have kind of a guilty pleasure, I have to admit. I don't really watch this one with the kids uh, just because it's such a train wreck. Does anyone else watch Flip or Flop? Yeah, man, that's just such a train wreck. Uh, that's kind of my guilty pleasure. And And... Uh, if you've never seen that show, it follows uh, Tarek, which is, what a great name, uh, and Christina uh, out on the, on the West Coast as they purchase homes that are a mess, and they do their best to flip them. And actually, over the course of their show, man, th- their marriage was kind of on the rocks. They're actually divorced now, and for a while, they were still doing the show as a divorced couple, which is just fun to watch the tension as they try to do this together. But when you watch the show, there's always this dramatic point where, you know, they're uncovering the house, and oh no, something came up that we didn't expect, right? Every single time, like termites or the HVAC or, or something. And, and it seems like everything's going to flop, then they turn it around, and they're able to flip the house, and, and it's awesome. Well, I think in all our families, when we dig deep, there's something there that we didn't expect. There's something there that causes us to think, man, is this whole thing going to flop, is there a problem in our foundation? Is there some structural problem that we can't fix? And man, this whole thing is going to flop. I think you've probably all, we've probably all wondered that at some point. If you're married, there's probably some point where you've wondered, you know, is this thing going to turn out to be flipping awesome? Or is it going to flop? And I want you to know today that if you've had those kind of thoughts, if today you're here wondering that, like, man, is our marriage, is our relationship going to make it? You are not alone. Man, over three and a half years of pastoring here at Mosaic, if there's one constant, it's that all of us, at some time or another, have had rocky times in our marriages, in our relationships. That Each and every person I know of has had a time where, man, things are hard. You're just wondering, like, oh, are we going to make it? Like, so if you have those thoughts, you are not alone. And there is hope. And I don't want you to feel like bad that you're the only one that's struggling with that because marriage is really, really hard. Maybe you were married and now you're single again. 
and that's your story. I want you to know there's hope. It doesn't matter kind of your history, whether you're looking forward to get, getting married for the second or the third time. There's hope for your story. Maybe you've never been married, and you've just been waiting for that relationship. I want you to keep your hopes up, that, that there is still hope for you, no matter kind of what your past has been. You know, Chris and I have had those same thoughts of, <laughs> is this going to be flipping awesome or are we going to flop? Like even, even pastors, man, we're real people. Like we have these thoughts. And so I'm excited for this series. I'm also a little terrified. I got to be honest, telling Chris yesterday, like, man, I don't know how to feel about this, 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 this series, just to be honest, like, because I don't feel like I'm knocking out of the park on the whole parenting or marriage thing. And so this is good for me. So I just want you to know that I'm not some sage on the stage. I'm a guide by your side, just walking with you alongside of this. Like, man, I'm learning this just like you. Uh, we're all in this journey together as we learn, God, what does your word say about how to live in a way that honors you in my marriage, in my parenting, in my family relationships? Before we dive into God's word and the message for today, would you just join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you that um, you are here in this place. God, I thank you that when you saved us, you saved us into your family. And God, that your word has so much to say about parenting and marriage and just relationships. So God, I just pray that you'd speak to us, that every person here I believe they're here for a reason. And God, that they would hear what they need to hear from you, whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're single again after being married. God, that uh, you would just use my words, that they be yours. In your name we pray, amen. Well, all of us, we, we struggle with relationships, but the good news is that we aren't alone in that. The Bible has so much to say about family relationships. Our first year as a church, we went through the book of Genesis. We said, hey, well, great place to start is the first book of the Bible. And what you learn when you really study the book of Genesis instead of maybe just what you learned in Sunday school, when we kind of sanitize all, all our stories, is that, man, so many families in the Bible are really messed up. Like, they are, they have so many issues, you know, sister wives and, you know, people lying and, and, and just all kinds of craziness. And you go through the whole book of Genesis and you see there's no perfect families. But what's great is that in spite of all that brokenness, in spite of, of, of people lying, in spite of people committing adultery, you know, uh, Judah, who sleeps with a prostitute, oh no, it's his daughter-in-law, you know, that's from the line of Jesus, comes from there. Like all these things that God redeems, all the mistakes that people make. And, and I love that. And, and we see in God's word that God has a plan for us, and that is one man and one woman to live in a covenant marriage forever. Now, again, things happen. People have divorced. They, they break up. But God's plan is that one man, one woman, forever in covenant marriage. Matthew 19, verse 4 through 6, says it this way. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. If you're taking notes this morning, we want to encourage you to take notes. Uh, we don't want to just give you some information. Hopefully, we want to give you a life of transformation. And if you can hear it, see it, write it down, that'll help get those truths down. And the first thing we see is that you cannot undone what God has made one. That when two people come together, there's something sacred there. But, but two people coming and becoming one flesh, that there's consequences when you rip that apart. 
And, and when you, maybe you, some of you in this room, you've been divorced and you got kids now and you're sharing that and you're figuring out those dynamics. You can't completely undone what God has made one. Now there can be hope and, and a future for you. But that's why, man, if you're single, you want to be really thinking through who does God want me to be with? Who does God want me to marry? And not just casually go into that relationship because you can't just undone what God has made one. Hebrews 13, 4 says this, let marriage be held in honor among all. Man, God says we should honor marriage, which is so different right now than a lot of our, our culture. You turn on the TV, movies, and they just kind of, they make fun of marriage and the old ball and chain and henpecked and all these things. But God says let marriage be held in honor and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Uh, just one more verse Malachi 2.16 in the New Living Translation says it this way. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now a key point here is God does not say I hate divorced people. If you, that's your story, God still loves you. You are still his child. But God hates that act. His plan is that two people come together as one. But sometimes things happen. So God says, man, I, don't, I, I hate that. I don't hate divorced people. I hate this, that this causes so much pain. And, and this morning, I know there are people in this room who are wondering, man, are we headed towards divorce? There's people in this room who have recently been divorced. And my heart hurts for so many of you. In my, in my prayer journal, uh, write down my prayers. There are just a few things that I, every single day, are in my prayers. Those of you in this room who I know who have told me that your marriage is on the rocks, every day, man, I'm praying for you guys. And then number two, those of you who want to be parents, and it hasn't happened yet. And so I hope in this series that if that's where you're at, man, you want to be parents, it hasn't happened yet. You're not sure where your marriage is. I hope you can hear my heart. That Man, my heart is for you. God's heart is for you. And as, as painful as it might be, that there's hope. There's hope for you. You know, uh, life can get just messy. Uh, I got to admit, I, I'm not much of a cook. And uh, on, on the few off chances where I do venture into the kitchen and cook more than just kind of toast, or ice, I can make ice really well. Cereal, uh, frozen pizza, those are kind of my specialties, maybe eggs. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll, I'm, like, you know, I'm gonna try something new. And, and what happens is I just make a complete disaster of the kitchen. Any other guys like that? Where, yeah, yeah, you, you venture in the kitchen and it's like, man, you make a complete disaster. And I know there's been times where I'm in the middle of cooking or baking and Kristen comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And it's just a disaster, you know, but what happens is that kitchens get messy. Like, that happens. In the same way kitchens get messy, marriages get messy. You know, kitchens are, they get messy, but that's where we gather. That's where we make plans. That's where we fight. That's where we eat. That's where we live. It doesn't mean you stop using that kitchen just because it gets messy. In the same way in our marriages, you don't just stop fighting for it. You don't just stop a marriage because things get a little messy. Your home doesn't flop just because you have a mess in your kitchen. Just because you have some conflict, just because you're working some things out, doesn't mean it's time to cut and run. Doesn't mean that things are going to flop. I want you to know that a little mess doesn't mean a flopping marriage. 
and also a big mess doesn't mean your marriage has to flop. And so what I want to do today is I just want to talk about three truths in the midst of a messy kitchen. Maybe your marriage, you've realized you've gotten past the honeymoon stage and, and it's getting real. And, 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 and there's some conflict. There's some mess. It's, it's not perfect. What do we do when we find ourselves in that situation? Number one, I want us to know that a mess can become a masterpiece. That a mess can become a masterpiece. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. That those of us, man, we don't have it all together. We, we, we tend to make things just a mess. That through Jesus, he can redeem our stories. He can build us into a masterpiece. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What a beautiful promise. Those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, to receive his free gift of salvation and grace and forgiveness. The Bible says that we become a new creation. Something new is born in our hearts. That the mess that we are can become a masterpiece. See, the reality is that we're the mess and Jesus is the masterpiece. And when we receive that free gift of grace and forgiveness, we get what's called to be imputed the righteousness of God onto us. That the resume of Jesus, that, that who Jesus is, the things that he accomplished, his perfect life, that gets added to us. And so we become a masterpiece. We're made new and right through what Jesus did on the cross by taking all our sins and dying for us. And now no matter what kind of mess you've made, God can turn that into a masterpiece. See, sin is the mess, but forgiveness, that's the masterpiece. And the only way to move forward, to become that work of art that God created you and me to be, is through forgiveness, through Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. It's not just exist. It's not just to wake up, go to work, do that for a couple decades, and then die someday. But he's created us to live in Jesus, to be redeemed, to be restored, and then as his masterpiece, to do the good things that he's created us to do. Maybe today you're still figuring out what's your purpose. I want you to chase that down. What's the purpose for your life? What's the purpose for your marriage? for your family. I love seeing families on mission together as they discover this is why we are here. Part of this series, we want you to be asking, what kind of story are we living? Those of us who are parents, what kind of story are we getting our kids to live? That it's not just living for us, that we live to exist for others, to make a difference in this world. What kind of story are we living? If right now you feel like your home, your marriage, just your life is a mess, here's just some, some good things for you to remember, some good tips. Number one, own your own mess. Take some personal accountability. Take some time just to look at your own life and say, man, here's the mess that I've made. Jesus, what is it that I need to confess? Maybe you veered off course. Maybe you've been going one way and, and you need to repent to teshuva, to turn 
and say, God, I need to get back on, on course. I, I've been living selfishly. I, I've, I've been lazy. I've been whatever it might be. Own your own mess. Number two, give it time. If you're in a relationship and God is helping you work through conflict, don't bail. Give it time. Give God time to work. Meet with a counselor. Give it time. Number three, pray for each other. Pray for each other and pray with each other. I gotta admit, like, man, I've been married for 14 years almost and a pastor for a number of years and I'm not great at praying for Christian. That's something I'm trying to get better. I've just got to admit that. Just because personally, I felt like when, when I pray for Kristen, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm saying she needs to get better in these areas, and so I don't want to judge her. You know, but I'm just like, no. You know, I just need to pray for her. Pray that, that she'll become the woman that she wants to be and the wife and mother. I want to encourage you, as awkward as it might be, hey, I'm just admitting that I'm growing in this. I'm, not, I'm figuring out how do I pray for my, for my wife. Pray for each other. And then pray with each other. We've talked about this before. That the secret sauce of marriages that last is couples that pray out loud together on a regular basis. It makes such a huge difference. Maybe if you're dating, you're in a relationship, and you're looking at marriage, start doing that. Start praying out loud together on a regular basis. Maybe that's something you've never done in your marriage before. Maybe you just want to start in bed, just just grab your spouse's hand. Hey, let's pray. And as awkward as it is, just start praying out loud together on a regular basis, and that will help your mess become a masterpiece. And the fourth one, just focus on Jesus. If you look at marriage, it's this, this is triangle. And it's, it's you, your spouse, and, and Jesus. And as you work towards knowing Jesus, you're going to grow together. So if you're in a mess right now, and you're not sure how to fix it, focus on Jesus. Own your own mess. Give it time. Pray for each other. And trust that God will get in there and start working to redeem your mess. Number two, we see that uh, burnt doesn't mean broken. Or burnt don't mean broken. I know that's bad grammar, but hey. I, I love desserts. Anyone else love desserts? My all-time favorite are chocolate brownies. Man, I cannot resist a plate of chocolate brownies. They are my absolute favorite. But I am helpless in the kitchen, like I said, and I'm no good at baking brownies. One time, though, I decided I'm going to bake some brownies. And, uh, you know, I did my best. I still think our oven is broken. I blame the oven, not me. But somehow, you know, it just, the way they come out is that there's always part of them that are a little burnt, like on the edges, you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, pull the brownies out. It's like, man, what did I do wrong? Why are the edges burned? But here's the thing. is just because the edges are burned doesn't mean you throw the whole thing out, right? That ooey gooey goodness in the middle is still there. If your marriage, if your relationship, if your family has some burnt edges... Don't throw the whole thing away, okay? You're like, that's an awesome analogy, Eric. I love that. You don't just throw a whole pan away because there's some burnt edges. In the same way, maybe you've been a little burnt. Maybe in relationships. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe in dating. Maybe in a church relationship. Don't just throw away relationships. Don't just throw away the idea of marriage, of family, of community, of being connected just because you have some burnt edges. Just because you've been burned. Now, you need to be safe. Like, you don't grab that plate of brownies with your bare hands, right? Pulling it out of the oven, you might have to have some boundaries, some, some safety mitts on. See, I don't even know what to call them. What, what are they called? Oven mitts? There you go, oven mitts, not safety mitts. <laughs> See, I don't know what's in the kitchen. I make ice, man. So what happens when we do get burnt? Maybe today in your marriage, maybe there's some conflict. Maybe there's, there's this thing that's been there. 
and, and, and you've been button heads and butting heads and, and one or both of you have been burned. What do you do? Here's what the Bible says. Number one, forgiveness. Forgiveness, that's what we focus on. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Man, that's a good one. Let everything you say be good and helpful. That is so hard in parenting. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted. Now, can you say this F word with me? Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And that's so hard when you've been burned, when you've been hurt. But if God forgave us for all the mess that we made, for all the mistakes we've made, God calls us to forgive. Now, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. There might need to be a path where trust is earned. But what we can do is we can forgive. We can let go of that offense and give that up to God. There may still be boundaries in place. The relationship may never fully recover. That's just in principle in life with, with friendships, with, with, with anyone it might be. But we can ask and God, help us to forgive so we don't hold on to that, that bitterness inside of us so that we can be tenderhearted, so we can be kind to each other. We can be more like Jesus. We focus on forgiveness. The second thing is we focus on the good. Focus on the good. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says it this way. Fix your eyes on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Then the God of peace will be with you. Apostle Paul is telling us, man, if you want the God of peace to be with you, if you want your homes to be filled with peace and your marriages, then focus on what is true, on the honorable, right, lovely. Focus on the good instead of getting sucked in that patterns of negativity and just being dragged down and focusing on all the ways that your spouse isn't meeting your needs. Instead, what can I do to reach out? To, what can I do to be kind if today you feel like your heart's been a little closed off to your spouse, man, that is so easy to pray, God, help me to focus on the good. Help me to be tenderhearted. That's the only way to be kind. It's the only way to be like Jesus is if we're praying, God, make my heart tender, make my heart soft. Help me to forgive and not hold on to bitterness. Help me to focus on the good. All right, and number three, don't crowd your cake. Don't crowd your cake Hebrews 13, 4 says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. All right, I think Jeremy, yeah, uh, we're gonna bring that up here. Can you give Christina Stuber a hand? I don't know, she's not in the room, I don't think. But she made this cake for me. Isn't that amazing? That is awesome. Now I gotta get my toys. Sweet. Um, So my friend in Iowa is a pastor. His name's Tony. And he did this for his church, and I was like, this is amazing. And so I just want to share what he shared with his congregation. And it was so good for me, and I just want to share it with you. Uh, he had someone in his church bake a cake, because that's why I asked Christina to bake this cake. And, and you know, he shared that so many of us, when we get married, you know, we have a wedding cake like this. And then i got to find my, my toys here. 
uh, we, have, we have our groom, we have our bride, and we get married, and oh, love you, love you. You know, it's so good. And, and life is good, and there he's leaning in for a kiss, but she's got the flowers between them. You know, life is good. Like, this, this is your whole world. It's just you two. It's, this is all you have. But then what happens? Right? You, uh, you, you go away for your honeymoon, and then comes baby. And all of a sudden, oh, baby's up here. And then, um, you know, for us, oh, then you have a little girl, Anna. There she is. Daddy, daddy. Um, and then, then you have another boy, Andrew John. Yeah, daddy, daddy. And then, um, where's my one more? Elsa, of course, little Mariah. You know, you have number four. Whoa, didn't expect that to happen. And all of a sudden, uh, your cake's getting a little crowded, right? Uh, maybe that's where you are today. And then, you know, uh, you add some activities in there. Uh, you got baseball. Yeah, we're st- I'm coaching baseball now. I don't know why, but I got asked to do it. So here I am. Uh, then you get a dog or a pet or maybe a reindeer, you know. And uh, pretty soon you got pets. And uh, then you pass your Nate and you got a motorcycle. That's, that's here, man. Boom. What happens? This is pretty crowded, Right? These are your priorities. And then what happens is that when you've got all this going on, this is really fun, I'm gonna play with this, that they were really close. And now they're kind of, they're kind of doing this. You've been there in your marriage? And you're focusing on the kids. You're focusing on baseball and fixing stuff. You know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you, you, your back's to each other, and then you know what can happen? Is that all of a sudden, you meet Wonder Woman? Well, she seems like Wonder Woman because she actually laughs at your jokes, right? And she appreciates you. And, and, and your heart gets turned, or you meet Superman. And Superman is there, and he's, he's listening to you. And all of a sudden, your heart is, is turned away from that person that you're supposed to have your priorities and your heart man, this is where dangerous things happen. What God says is we need to protect the priorities. That we focus, number one, on God. He should be our highest authority. And then that our spouses are number two. Not our kids. Not baseball. Not our pet reindeer. Not all these other things. And that's how we have the marriage that God wants us to have. Because, that, you know, get rid of Wonder Woman and Superman. That's no good. And, and you turn back towards each other. And you renew your vows and your focus. And, you know, sports, they're, they're good. They're fun. They're going to be down here, you know. And your kids, they're, they're down here. Mommy, Daddy. You know, and your, your baby is, oh, no. <laughs> I was warned not to press too hard. There's Sven. I make sure all my kids are on the equal level. It's the hardest thing about parenting, right? My word. Keep your clothes on, Anna. That's not good. And, you know, and then you're, you're hey, man, riding motorcycles, that's awesome. That's down here, though. You know, fixing things up. Get your RV. That's, that's all great. Gardening, yes. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You know, because, yeah, well, I was going to have your in-laws show up, and they crowd your cake. But they need to be down here, too, right? <laughs> Way down here. 
Han Solo and Princess Leia. Otherwise, you get Kylo Ren. That's not good. Don't crowd your cake. You need to have your spouse be your number one. And that is not easy to do. Some of you I know, man, it's been hard. And, and life has come up. And maybe you've added a bunch of kids. Maybe sports, activities, all these things. And, and your priority's been way out of whack. Man, I'm going to pledge today. And I want you as well. To pursue God, number one. Your spouse is your number two. And your kids, three, and then everything else are down there. We need to protect our priorities because there's so much at stake. We're going to do a baby dedication in, in a little bit here at the end of our service. And man, these kids are counting on you to not be looking at Wonder Woman or Superman, to be focused on each other. A couple things real quick before we head to, to uh, dedications. Number one, I want us to remember that children are a temporary assignment. We have them for 18, 19 years, 25, maybe 30 years they live in your home, but eventually at some point you kick them out and say, hey, you got things to do for God, right? But marriage, that's until death do us part. It's not until we're not happy anymore. Marriage isn't until you're not meeting my needs anymore. It's not until something better comes along, until Superman or Wonder Woman shows up. It's not, I'm gonna trade you for a younger model. It's until death do us part. So we need to remember, our kids are a temporary assignment. Our, our, our job is to raise them up and to send them out to be healthy adults. But our number one priority is our spouse. Your marriage is a permanent God-iron commitment. And we have to, that's why we have to prioritize marriage even above parenting, above our kids. Date nights, the chance to get away just the two of you. Doesn't mean you don't feed your kids or bathe them, you know. You still take care of them, but we have to put the marriage number one. If you want your children to succeed in marriage someday, show them what a God-honoring marriage looks like. Show them what it looks like to put God first and your spouse second. Show your kids what it looks like to put your spouse above everything else except God. And I know there's some hurting relationships in this room. It's simple but not easy. It's a simple idea, but it's not easy to do. But here's what I want you to know is that more than likely you've been there. If you haven't been there now, then at some point your cake's going to get crowded. And you know the pressure of this feeling. And statistics say that few couples actually prioritize their marriage. They actually make it their number one priority to work on their marriage. Few couples prioritize each other over the business of life and kids and sports and activities and, and, and cell phones and all these things. But I want you to know that your marriage is too flippin' important. To, we can't keep flopping. What are some practical ways that we can, we, we, we can make this the focus? Number one, we need to learn that secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy, and purity paves the way to intimacy. If there's some secret sin going on in your heart right now, you need to confess that to your spouse. You need to bring it out of the shadows and into the light, because shame grows in the dark, but healing happens in the light. Unhealthy things grow in the dark. That's why you bring that to light. You and your spouse shouldn't have any secrets. Your calendar how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. If you have that kind of relationship where you are on the same page that you are sharing your heart, your body, your mind, your soul, then you need to get rid of secrets. If you're single, purity paves the way to intimacy. 
purity of heart of your intentions in your marriage. Don't look at things you shouldn't be looking at. Don't flirt with people you shouldn't be flirting with. That purity paves the way to have that intimate relationship. Shame is Satan's tool of connecting the act to our identity. Maybe today you've been dealing with some shame. That's from the devil. God brings us conviction, which the point is to turn us towards him. Shame is when we feel like what we've done is who we are. And so today, if you're struggling with words like, I'm broken, I'm, I, I, I'm scarred, I'm, I'm no good, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, God says, no, you can wipe that all the way through Jesus. Maybe you've lied, but you're not a liar. Maybe you've committed adultery, but you're not an adulterer. Shame is what the enemy uses to connect that act to our identity. I want you to know you can find complete and total healing and forgiveness through Jesus. There might be, still be consequences in your relationships, but don't hold on to that as your identity anymore. Uh, the last one, you never look more like God than when you forgive. We never look more like God than when we forgive. That's in relationship with siblings, parents, kids, your spouse. When we forgive people, we look so much like God. That's what God wants for us, to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. This is God through what Jesus Christ did on the cross did for us. Last fall, we did a relationship series called Relationship Goals. Uh, all those messages are online. You can listen to those. And uh, there's just some great stuff that we covered last fall. And I just want to hit those real quick. Maybe you weren't with us last fall, or maybe uh, just as a reminder, I'm just going to run through those real fast, and then we're going to do our dedications. Uh, these were our goals from last fall. Number one, God will be my first priority, and my spouse will be my second. God will be my first priority, and my spouse will be my second. That's what we talk about. Don't crowd your cake. God, your spouse, Number two, that I will always pursue my two. I'm going to always pursue my two. Just because you're married doesn't mean you stop dating. Because so often, man, we, we, we get turned away from each other and we look at all these other things. We have to continually pursue our two to turn back and say, how am I going to date you? How, how am I going to win your heart? How am I going to pursue who you are? How did you win your spouse to begin with? Out of all the people in the world, they chose you. What was that? You know, did, did you write them songs, notes, pursue them on dates, you know, grab their hand as you, as you held it, hugs? What were those things? Always pursue your two. Because it's so easy. All these other things, we turn our attention away. And, and we stop pursuing that person. Always pursue your two. Number three, we, our goal is that together we will partner in our purpose. Out of our mess, God turns us into a masterpiece we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are created for a purpose. We are created on purpose. And nothing as a pastor, man, gets me more excited, more hopeful, than when I see a couple explore their purpose together. So together we're going to partner in a purpose. Number four, I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. I promise not to have any secrets, to share my heart wholly with you. And then number five, I will intentionally model what I want to echo into future generations. And that's what this parent and child dedication is all about, is promising to say, hey, I want to model for my kids what I want to see echo into my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids. If not now, then when? Don't wait for a better day to make these decisions to invest in your marriage. It's too important. There's too many people watching you, watching your marriage, watching your relationships. 
what you do now will echo down to future generations. Maybe in your family there's been generational curses. Maybe everyone in your family got pregnant as a teenager. Maybe everyone blew up their marriage and ran away. Maybe everyone struggled with financial problems or sexual problems, whatever that might be. You can make a break now and change that. So instead of it flopping, that you start now a whole new line of blessing with your kids and grandkids because of the decisions you made today. That God will be your first priority, your spouse your second, to always pursue your two, to partner in your purpose, to confide and not hide, and then to model what you want to see. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to invite the families who are dedicating their children to come on up. We're going to try not to destroy the cake. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that even when we all mess up, when we all make mistakes, God, that you bring life and blessing and you bring forgiveness. So God, I just pray that we would just turn our hearts to you, that you would be our number one. And God, that our spouse, for those of us who are married, God, that we'd put our spouses number two. God, we wouldn't crowd our cake. God, I thank you for these children that are gonna come up here in a minute. And I thank you for these young parents. God, I pray just as a church, we would surround them, we would help them, that we would encourage them, because this is tough, this is hard. But the stakes are so high. It's, it's too important. So God, we thank you for your strength, that we don't have to do this alone. We thank you for community, that we get to do this side by side with one another. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna invite those families to come on up now. I'm gonna invite the band-